or I'm not sure how much of that production video you could actually hear or see, but I'm really excited to uh, share with you that uh, we're going to be going through the Gospel of Mark. We're going to learn what it means to be carriers, carriers for Jesus. You know, Mark's Gospel is a, a Gospel that is, it, it's, it, it's, it's a transformation Gospel. It's, it's a moving Gospel from chapter 1 all the way through to the end. But there's scenes cutting straight. One of Mark's favorite words in his gospel is immediately. So without further ado, turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. And uh, my hope is that as we journey together through Mark's gospel, we will see what it means to be a carrier of hope in a hopeless world, that we would be open to the concept that Jesus wants to walk with us through everything with us, that we might serve him and reach people for him and see him moving in our lives. Mark chapter 1. Verse 1, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had, had written. Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. Here's a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist for food. He ate locusts and wild honey. Wow. John announced, Someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. One day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. And John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and angels took care of him. Father, we pray that as, uh, as we read your word, that you would have an opportunity to speak to us. We thank you so much for the gospel of Mark. We thank you for the reality that it reveals about Jesus. We thank you for its authenticity for its realness 
We thank you for Mark. We thank you that he's able to explain Jesus and give us an eyewitness account. And Lord, we just thank you so much that we are able tonight to learn about you because it's written down in a book that each of us have access to. Holy Spirit, have your way in our hearts. Speak through me, Father God. Just have your way in me. May my words fall to the ground and may your words really penetrate our hearts and empower us to live the life that you want us to live and empower us to know and experience the love that you have for us in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you were given the job of writing a letter to Christians facing death because of their faith, what would you write to them? Mark is writing with passion, precision, urgency and hope to people who are facing persecution in the early church because of their faith in Jesus Christ. It's a very real struggle that each one of them are facing simply because of their faith in Jesus and their want, and their want to follow Jesus. He declares Jesus to be the suffering servant king. Each one of the four Gospels highlights particular aspects about Jesus. And they're written towards different audiences of the eyewitness accounts of, of Jesus' work and ministry and his healing and his teaching. Matthew, for example, is written to the Jews and starts with genealogy, explaining that Jesus is related to Abraham and David. And Luke, Luke writes as a doctor, uh, sympathising and, and uh, speaking about uh, the Jesus who sympathises with the outcasts. And so he begins with his birth. That Jesus was born in a stable of, uh, in a poor family. And Luke sympathises, help, helps, helps the poor. John writes to Greeks. John writes of the word that was before creation, that came to put on flesh became Jesus Christ. And Mark, Mark cuts to the chase. He's succinct in everything that he writes about. Mark is short and sweet. He's just all about, let's get the information out there and get the job done. There's no frills with Mark. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not wordy like some preachers that you're, you might be listening to right now. He's not wordy like that. He's He's a man of action, and his gospel is like a, it's like an action movie, and it cuts from one scene to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And I mentioned before, one of Mark's favourite words is immediately, immediately, immediately. There's this, there's this notion that Mark just can't wait to tell us that Jesus died on a cross for our sins and rose again. He just can't wait to get to the punchline. And he begins with this letter to the early church, a gospel to the early church. And I don't know if you know, but the word gospel 
you know, we hear about gospel music or gospel singers or, or you know, something. if something's truthful, we say that's, that's the gospel, you know. But that's actually a word and it means good news. That's all it means. It means good news. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, Mark's gospel is shorter than all other three. But uh, it's earlier written than uh, Matthew and Mark and Luke. Uh, sorry, Matthew, Luke and John. And it's interesting to note too, just some, just some, uh, some info for, for people that like information, is that the gospel of Matthew, uh, he, he actually, when Matthew wrote his gospel, he actually used 97% of Mark's gospel to write his gospel. And, and, uh, and Luke contains about 88% of Mark's material in his gospel. So Mark, Mark is one of the earliest writers, and and um, Mark was a friend of Peter, the disciple, the apostle Peter, and a lot of the information that Mark writes about Jesus is, is an eyewitness account from Peter himself, but some of it is actually from Mark. So who is this Mark? Well, his name is actually John. Did you know that? His name is John Mark. And uh, he is one of those interesting people in the Bible who has a, a Jewish name and a Roman name. So his Jewish name is John, which is his first name, and uh, his Roman name is Mark. And so similar to like Paul was Saul and Paul. Uh, so Mark, Marcos, <laughs> wrote for the early Roman Christians. For those who lived in Rome, the, the Christians who were the early church who were facing all kinds of hardship simply because of their faith in Jesus. And John Mark, if you read in the, in the book of Acts, uh, you'll see that John Mark was actually a companion with the Apostle Paul and Barnabas on uh, Paul's first missionary trip. Paul took Barnabas and John Mark with him and uh, they went to the on their first missionary trip and uh, and when that finished, Paul wanted to keep going, and John Mark said, "No, I can't keep going." And there was a rift. There was a there was a division in the ranks, and so Paul split ways with Barnabas and John Mark. Paul kept going on, and uh, John Mark uh, never got invited to the next missionary trip. We never we never see or hear of him again until he reemerges in one of Paul's letters to the well. Paul's letter to the Colossian church. Paul's writing from prison, and it turns out that John Mark is with Paul in prison. And so they've been reconciled along the way somewhere, and uh, they've, they've, uh, they've forgiven each other. And, uh, and also in Philemon, the letter that Paul wrote to Philemon, uh, we, he mentions John Mark as uh, one of his friends, as a, as a companion, as a partner in the ministry of Jesus Christ. So that's John Mark in a nutshell. He was actually the son of a wealthy woman called Mary uh, who allowed the early church in Jerusalem to meet in her home. Uh, it was quite a large home. Uh, and he spent time with Peter the Apostle as well, listening to him teach as Peter went around Jerusalem teaching. Mark's gospel is largely based, as I said before, on Peter's eyewitness account. Mm. Though some content is Mark's own experience. Mm. So, for example, uh, he was also, he was probably the young 
The young man mentioned in Mark chapter 14, verses 51 and 52, who fled the scene in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, wearing nothing and running, running home, wearing nothing, because he was in a fight with the, with the Roman guards and, and uh, they stripped him of his clothes and he ran naked. And that would have been John Mark, although he never mentions his own name in that situation, as you would understand. I would never write anything about myself like that, putting my name there. But um, everyone, all scholars, believe that's uh, John Mark, that, that young man there. And uh, he turns to, he seems to be a bit of a runner, a doer. Um, he might have had some kind of hyperactivity as a young man in those days. Uh, he was a doer, regardless. And he was very practically minded. And Mark, Mark is the kind of man who identifies with people who are tempted to give up and, uh, and run away under pressure or under persecution. He's actually the kind of person who would relate to those who would feel like throwing in the towel when the going got too tough. However, judging by the fact that he wrote this gospel, surely tells us that Mark is the comeback kid who wants the world to know who Jesus actually is. And so tonight we're looking at this uh, first section of, of Mark's gospel and uh, I think Mark wants to ask us the question, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? I want you to turn to the person next to you and if there's no one next to you but just your family pet, just tell them, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? God needs a witness. God needs a witness. So in Mark's gospel, he begins by saying, this is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. This whole gospel of Mark, all 16 chapters are about Jesus Christ. And it's good news. It's gospel. It's good news. And here's... And, and Mark begins like a courtroom, I guess. And uh, just like John starts off with uh, emphasizing Jesus as the word that was before time, that word was God. And, and Matthew utilizes the uh, genealogy to, um, to explain the heredity, hereditary of Jesus Christ in, uh, in the Old Testament. Now Mark, he brings witnesses to the stand who claim, who declare who Jesus is. And the first witness, the first witness is people. Mark brings people to the stand, specifically the prophets to begin with. So he says in verse 2, just as the prophet Isaiah had written, look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you and he will prepare your way. He, was, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. So here, in fact, is two prophets, not just Isaiah. Mark is quoting Malachi as well. So here's Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Look, I'm sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant, 
whom you look for so eagerly, is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. He's coming. He's coming. I'm sending a messenger before the Lord comes. Right? And then Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3 goes like this. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting or like I just heard out my window, thunder. It's a sound of, sound of thunder. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. You know, this is, it's, these witnesses testify that there is going to come a day where the Lord comes. But before that day comes, a messenger will come and prepare the way. So there's a declaration first. There's a declaration that there's, there's a messenger that's coming. And the demonstration after the declaration is when the messenger turns up. Verse 4. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For the food, he ate locusts and wild honey. This is the messenger spoken about in the prophets hundreds of years earlier. There was a declaration hundreds of years earlier, and now there's a demonstration. Here he is. His name is John, and he is a baptizer. He baptizes people. He dunks them under the water, and he brings them back up again. As, and as a symbol of, if they repent, they will be forgiven and that's what the baptism is. It's a baptism of forgiveness, of repentance, through and having forgiveness of sins. This is what John said in verse 7. He brings a declaration. John announced, Someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so here we have another declaration. Just like the prophets declared the coming messenger, who was John the Baptist, now John the Baptist declares someone stronger, someone greater, who, who is so great that John is even unworthy to be his slave. That's a big statement. And so we get to the next witness. We get to the next witness. The first witness were people, was people, the prophets and John the Baptist, declaring the coming. The second witness is God. The second witness is God. Turn with me. Verse 9. One day, 
Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart, and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved Son, and you bring me great joy. God witnesses to the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The Father is the voice from heaven. There's a declaration of heavenly approval. And the Holy Spirit shows approval via anointing Jesus, the demonstration of heavenly approval. Now, Jesus didn't actually need to be baptized by John. Jesus didn't need to repent. Jesus didn't need to confess any sins. He had no sins. Jesus didn't need to flee the coming wrath, which was another reason why people would be baptized by John. For the forgiveness of their sins, in repentance, to flee the coming wrath of God. But Jesus never needed to flee the coming wrath of God. He just had God's approval. In Matthew, in chapter 3 of Matthew, we see why Jesus was baptized. It says in verse 13, when Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. See, this is Matthew's account. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, said John. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires, or for we must fulfill all righteousness. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. Jesus didn't need to be baptized by water for forgiveness of sins or confession or to flee God's wrath. But he did need to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. That is, he needed heavenly anointing upon a human man. He needed approval from heaven, anointing for preaching and miracles. In other words, he needed, he needed the Holy Spirit on him, upon him, in him, to preach, to teach all that he was saying. And also, he needed the Holy Spirit's power to work miracles, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to make the blind eyes open. All that Jesus said and did in his ministry was in the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah, he's God. Jesus is fully God, but he's fully man as well. And Jesus, after this baptism by John and the baptism by God, the Holy Spirit on Jesus, his ministry began. We read in Luke chapter 4, uh, verse 8, sorry, 18 through to 19, this is Jesus speaking as he is at the, at the um, synagogue one day. He picks up the, the scroll that was handed to him and he reads it out and he reads these words. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news, to preach, to bring good news to the poor. 
He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim, there you go again, preach, that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. There's Jesus declaring, this is why I'm anointed. I'm anointed to declare. It's a declaration that I'm bringing. But then also in Matthew's gospel, in chapter 12, verse 28, we see Jesus uh, in, a, in, a, in a discussion with some religious Pharisees who believe that Jesus is casting out demons, casting out evil spirits by the power of Satan, which makes no sense. And Jesus uses an, an analogy to explain that. You know, if Satan was to drive himself out, he'd eventually lose the battle and, and become nothing. And Jesus makes this statement in Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. I know it's not Mark, but it's still gospel, right? Jesus said, but if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. He's casting out demons by the Spirit of God. Now, sometimes we can sort of think, well, you know, that's Jesus. Jesus is Jesus. He's God. He can do that. He can cast out demons. He can heal the sick. He can raise the dead. He can cleanse lepers. He's God. He can do all that sort of thing. And we, we can get into the trap of thinking that, you know what? That's for God to do and not me to do. But it's amazing, you know, when Jesus sent out the disciples, and we'll read about this later as we go journeying through Mark's gospel. He sent them out on a mission trip and he gave them specific orders. We might be surprised at what those orders might be and maybe a little uncomfortable about applying them to our own lives. But for Jesus... To be anointed by the Holy Spirit wasn't just to declare a message. It was actually to demonstrate a message. There's a declaration and there's a demonstration. And Mark seemed to be a runner when the pressure was on. But he isn't running from the truth now. He wants the world to know who Jesus is. He's the Messiah in other words, he's the Christ, he's the anointed one from God, who's the promised one, deliverer who would come and set people free. And he's the son of God. He's divine. He actually is God. And he has God's approval. And so here in, this, in these first few verses of his gospel, these witnesses are declaring the truths of who Jesus is, his identity. They're declaring who he is. And there's also a demonstration. You see, Mark writes when, when uh, Jesus was baptized by John that the heavens were opened. They split apart. They tore apart. It's the same word like where, where Jesus died on the cross and the, the temple curtain was torn in two. It was torn. It was ripped in two. There was an opening from heaven coming down, that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. Now, sometimes we think that a dove flew down from heaven and landed on it. That's not what it's saying. It says that it, Mark says the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, kind of alighted on Jesus like a dove, not in the form of a dove, but like a dove, came upon Jesus. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. He came upon Jesus to anoint him for declaration, and demonstration. 
There is always a message of the gospel with works that accompany that message. We'll see that time and time again through the Gospel of Mark. In fact, all the other Gospels have the same sort of thing. There, we have a message, people. We have a message to share with the nation. We have a Gospel. It's not actually our Gospel. It's the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can share that with our words. But we have more than just a declaration of who Jesus is. We must demonstrate who Jesus is. And Mark's Gospel is, is a great Gospel. It's action-packed to to show the demonstrations that, that Jesus actually is who he claimed to be. Mark seemed to be a runner, but he's not running from the truth now. Mark is bringing a declaration about a revelation. And what follows in the rest of this gospel is actually a demonstration of who Jesus from Nazareth really is. Really. And the key verse of Mark's entire work is found in chapter 10, verse 45. And I'll read it to you. This is Jesus speaking. He says, For even the Son of Man, speaking of himself, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is both God and man. He is able to take your sin and my sin and, and crucify it on a cross outside of Jerusalem's gates, both as a man and as God. He is what some would say, the suffering servant king. And if we're to follow Jesus, we need to live like that too. I've heard it said before that we need to serve like kings and rule like servants. You know, like if we, if we are in a menial job, there is no menial jobs in the kingdom of God. But let's say you're pushing a broom somewhere for your boss. Do it as a son of the king. Do it as a daughter of the king. If, you, if you're called for, to serve in some menial way where everyone else might get all the gratitude and the credit and you're, you don't get any, serve as a king. Serve as royalty because that's who you are. If you follow Jesus, you're a son of the Most High God. You're a daughter of the Most High God. You're a daughter of the King. But also, if you're in leadership, it works the same way. That if you're in leadership, you should serve. So rule like a servant. Lead like a servant. And Jesus epitomizes that statement, that notion. We have a message Church, we have a message. That's not just up to the pastor to deliver it each Sunday. You have a message. I have a message. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that he saves. And it's worthy of declaration. It brings hope to those who feel like giving up. It, it brings hope to those who feel like giving in. It brings hope to those who feel like running away 
from the pressure and saying, I can't have this anymore. It brought hope to Mark, to John Mark, in the, in the point, to the point where he was willing and able to write down a gospel so that generations could read about who Jesus is and what he can do for you and I. We have a message. We certainly have a message to share. However, if we stop there with just the message, we are only half a witness. God is calling for witnesses. Jesus is calling for witnesses. He's saying, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? When you look in the mirror in the morning, that's a, that's a witness. Your life is a witness to God. This here, this man sitting here is a witness to God's goodness, to God's forgiveness, to God's grace, to his patience, to his power. But if we just stop at a message, we don't deliver the full gospel. We don't deliver. The, that's what the world's aching for. They don't really care how much we know until they know how much we care. Francis Assisi said, preach the gospel. If need be, use words. The world is looking for a demonstration, not just a declaration. And Mark's gospel is a great way to, to get us through that and looking at that. God is looking for demonstrators. Demonstrators. We're going to have a demonstration march through Mark over the next however long. Now, Jesus is the ultimate servant. And he's calling us to follow him. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And as we journey through Mark's gospel together, it's my prayer that we will become energized and empowered by the Holy Spirit and the scriptures to become not only the voice of Jesus preparing the way in our generation, but also the hands and feet also. Frail and fearful that we might be at times, like John Mark, it's my prayer that we might see God moving in us and through us and around us to impact us and even our generation with the hope of the world, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much that he is the reason why we are here. And he is the one that perfectly demonstrates you, God, to a world who is fearful and hurting, under pressure, under persecution, feels like giving up. And so, Lord, we, we turn to you, Lord Jesus. Open our eyes and our ears. As we journey with you through Mark's gospel, Lord, speak to us. Speak to our hearts. Lord, give us a message. <laughs> but Lord, help us and empower us. Use us to deliver that message in a demonstration of a life dedicated to you. Lord, give us hearts like yours. Help us to be servants, to serve others not to be served. And give us the strength, God, by your Holy Spirit to be all that we can be and all that we're called to be, that we might be the people that you want us to be, Lord, because of your strength in us and your love in us. And help us, Lord, to be witnesses 
to who Jesus is in our neighbourhoods, in our families and in our world. Lord, it's our prayer that the world would come to know Jesus. But Lord, you want to use us to be the answer of that prayer. And so here we are, use us, fill us, mould us, take us, guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to stop there. We won't sing a last song, but I did want to share with you this blessing from 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way the Lord be with all of you. God bless you guys. I'll be praying that this week will be a week where you will know and experience God's power in your life. That uh, as you may be reading through the Gospel of Mark, you'll see things that are happening in your life as well as a testimony to God's goodness. And, uh, and I pray that um, you stay well and stay safe and we'll see you next Sunday night. Thanks for joining us. God bless you. Bye-bye.